Glory to God. So we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. We're going to be picking up this message in verse number 4. Uh, one of the things about the book of Philippians that you always want to mention as you get into the book of Philippians is that it was written from prison. It was in a time and a season whenever uh, Paul the apostle uh, was imprisoned for his faith. And a lot of times you don't think about it or you may think, People like that are equipped for that, but a lot of times we go through situations that are not pleasant circumstantially. They're not pleasant to the flesh. We may have to endure things. We may have to go through things, but one of the things that you learn as you look at the life of the Apostle Paul is that even though you may have to go through things, God will be with you in it. God will be there with you in it, and he'll take you through it. Sometimes we may not like the situation we're in, but you know what? If God's in the boat with you, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. So one of the things that we want to look at is, is that Paul wrote this letter from prison. And a lot of times when, when you find yourself in a prison situation or you find yourself in a place where you just feel locked in and you feel like nothing's ever going to change. You feel like there's, you know, you, you can, you have a little room to, you know, if you have like a coloring page, maybe you only have like four crayons. You can make it green or yellow, blue or red, but that's about it. That's all you can do. You're just kind of limited in how much you can go and what you can do. So that's a prison. And sometimes we feel like that at our jobs, or we feel like that in our relationships, or we feel like that uh, maybe in our usefulness for God, like I can only do this, or I can only do that. But you know, God is limitless. With, with, With God, there is no end to the possibilities that God can do in your life. With God, all things are possible, is what Jesus said. And, and, and one of the things that Paul did is he began to write and he began to worship from prison. And here in this verse, in, in verse number four, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And, you know, a lot of times we read past that real fast and we say rejoice in the Lord always. And we have this word in the English language, which means always and and we want God to be with us always, and, and he is with us always. But when Paul says to rejoice in the Lord always, what he means is that it's possible for you to find joy in Christ all the way that he takes you. Every place that he takes you, everywhere you go, every season of life that you go through, all the way you'll be able to rejoice from mountain to mountain, to valley to valley, to desert, to the spring places, whatever God brings you through, you'll find joy in it when you find God with you in that situation. So when he says all way, what it means in, in the most simplistic terms is all the way. There will never be a moment where God will keep joy back from you. You see, joy is, and I want you to know and understand this, joy is different than happiness. You know, a, a, a dog can be happy whenever it gets a bone, but it won't be happy whenever, you know, you correct it or something like that. We, happiness is conditional. Happiness is when somebody's showing us favor or the circumstances are right. And, and, and you know, there's some people that they just live on the sunny side. They just, everything just falls in line for them and they're just happy go lucky. But you know what? There will be times where we all go through hard seasons and, and, and happiness won't cut it in the hard season. Joy is what is needed. You see, joy is not conditional. Joy is positional. Joy is determined about where you are in the Lord. 
Joy is positional. It comes from your position in Christ. It comes from your communion with Christ. It comes from your relationship to Christ. And it comes from your seeking of Christ. You, you, you may be in a place and a time in your life that you wouldn't wish on anyone else, but you can still rejoice all the way through that situation. Amen. Now, if, you're, if you look at the temperature of the room, or you look at the color of the walls, or you look at, you know, why isn't brother so-and-so having to do this, and why isn't sister so-and-so having to do that, then you'll begin to lose joy. Because, like I said, joy is positional. And if you begin to find your happiness, if you begin to find that based on how other people live and based on how other people are treated and based on how your situation is different than their situation, I'm here to tell you that you're looking at the wrong source. But as you look to the Lord Jesus, you'll be able to rejoice all the way. Now, the, the way that God takes you uh, and the way that God takes me, uh, sometimes the path is different, but the destination is the same. That's the cross. You, you, you may have to surrender cigarettes. I may have to surrender alcohol. You may have to turn away from a bad relationship. I may have to quit a bad job. But each and every one of us have to come to the Lord by the cross of Calvary and let go of the things that grab hold of us and grab hold of the one that sought us and bought us on that cross. We have to let go of the things of this life and grab hold of that eternal life that was offered to us through Christ's cross and so he said rejoice in the lord always and again i say rejoice and we have this charge on our lives to 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 find joy joy is a river it comes from communion with god okay joy is not going to be something that you memorize and you you can write a book report on it and and and, and regurgitate it and there it is and you can't confess joy into your life you can't confess blessing into your life Blessing comes from obedience with God. I don't care how much you confess it. If you're not obedient from it, you're not going to get it. And joy is the same way. You can know all that the books write about joy. You can memorize all Paul went through about joy. You can read it in Greek, Latin, Hebrew. You can read it in any kind of Sanskrit you want to find. You can read it upside down, left and right with the flashlight. But it won't matter anything if you don't have communion with God. Joy is determined. It is a river that flows from communion at the feet of Jesus. And if you, if you will make that determination within yourself that nothing's going to stop you from being intimate with Jesus, you'll find joy in your life. You may say, Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't, but I know who God is, and I know that he'll be God for you. I know that he'll be your joy. I know that he'll be your peace. I know that he'll be your deliverer. I know that he'll be a refuge for you in your situation. I know that he'll be your healer. I know that he'll bring you light in the dark season. I know that he'll turn the situation around if you'll turn to him and give him your heart. Heart. And so that joy, it is, it is definitely and most surely a, a, a river that flows from communion with God. Can you see how we can quote it? Uh, you, even preachers, preachers can preach about it and not have it. 
You, you, you can talk about it, smell it, memorize it, regurgitate it, but it all comes down to are you sitting at the feet of the Master? Are you intimate with the one who loves you the most? You see, the people of this life, they love you a little, but God loves you the most. God loves you with an insatiable love. He sought you while you were yet a sinner. Now on this side of, of eternity, we don't really understand what that means, but I am here to tell you that God loves loved you when you were unlovable and he did the most loving act possible by sending Jesus Christ to incarnate in flesh and bear your sin on that cross so that he could bring you back home there was no way for you to come home to God but he nailed the sin the transgression that we had to that cross and he made a way where there was no way so that you could come home to God and be made whole so that you could live and dwell with him eternally in glory in heaven and not only do you have to wait until heaven but God said he would send the Holy Ghost to come and give glory in your soul today we believe in the power of the Holy Ghost not only the power but the presence of the Holy Ghost in your life God wants to inhabit you God wants to live in you he wants to dwell in you he wants to pour out his love upon you amen but it is a river that flows from communion with God. God is not worried about your education or your lack thereof. He's not worried about whether you're a fisherman or a tax collector. He's not worried about whether you're a harlot. He's not worried about any of those kind of things. It's not about your past. It's about who you are. And if you'll come to Him just like you are, He'll make all things new in your life. He'll give you a new name and a new future. He'll blot out the transgressions of your past. And He'll give you a new name today. He'll give you a new robe of righteousness. He'll clothe you with his own white robe of righteousness and he will put his seal upon you, the Holy Ghost, because he loves you. He sought you. He came down to this earth and he bought you and he welcomes you. He beckons you to come. Come to that cross. Come be made whole. Come let go of this world and come grab hold of eternity and God will come. He'll come down to where you are and he'll live inside you. Amen. He will. That's the power of Pentecost. We, we love, we talk about the power of the Holy Ghost. But I want you to know that something is, is just as great as the power is his presence. The presence of the Holy Ghost. You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they were bound in those fetters and they were thrown in that fiery furnace, it was the presence of Jesus that came down and it, it just made everything all right. He didn't take them out of the fire. He just came and sat down in there with them and they walked around and it changed everything. That king looked down in there and he said, hold on, we put three down in there, but I see four and the fourth is like the son of man. The fourth was Jesus Christ incarnate in that fiery furnace. And you know, he does the same thing for you. The same way. You may not like the situation you're in, but if you'll honor God in the situation, God will come and live in you. God will, br God will bring the Holy Ghost to you. Amen? This world can only offer the promise of joy, but it can never deliver it. 
This world holds out joy like a carrot on a stick. It'll get you to look for, look for joy in a new relationship, look for joy in new clothes, look for joy in a new car, look for joy in a new house, look for joy in a new job. Oh, you know what you need? You just need to get a this, or you just need to get a that. He'll get you watching a new TV show. He'll get you wrapped up in this, that, or the other. Anything and everything under the sun to keep you away from being intimate with Jesus Christ. Anything that the devil can do to keep you away from God, he will. He will lay those traps. He'll throw those carrots on a stick. But you've got to make a determination within yourself that nothing else will satisfy your soul. You can sit around like a bump on a log and be mad and God will just wait you out because God is like that. He's long-suffering, he's patient, and he'll sit there and he'll wait you out until you get good and ready to be satisfied by God alone. And when you come to God that way, God will pour out his spirit upon you. God will. He will wait you out. Amen. Well, whenever we, whenever the presence of God shows up in our life, we get filled. We get so excited. We're just so glad that God has come down. You know, you can't talk to somebody. You, you, you can't sit there and tell somebody that God don't heal anymore when they got healed. Amen. You, you try to talk, uh, you try to talk to one of those blind men in the Bible to say, well, you know, Jesus don't, oh, Jesus don't heal anymore. Well, you can't do that. Well, you talk about today. We well, say, oh, God don't heal anymore. Well, yes, he does. You talk to somebody that's done got healed in their body or healed in their soul and you try to talk them out of it. You can't. You can't. You can regurgitate all you want to regurgitate, but if somebody's got a living testimony, they got a living testimony, and they'll go to the grave with that testimony. They'll hold on to that. And 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 one of the things that we see is that the the enemy would love nothing more, nothing more than for you to believe that God doesn't operate the same way that He once did. Amen. But He does. He loves you, and He operates the same way. You know, if, if God moves in one person's life, you know that he's no respecter of persons. He doesn't, he doesn't respect people based on anything else other than if you'll just come to him with an open heart. That's what he's looking for. You know, God, it didn't matter to God. He put a, he put a harlot down there in the lineage of Jesus. It didn't matter to God. He, he put, you know, all kinds of, of squirrely folks down there in the lineage of Jesus. It didn't matter. The past don't matter to God. It's who you are. If you'll just come to him like you are, he'll make you a new person. He'll give you a new future. He'll give you a new family. He'll give you a new heritage. Amen? Well, one of the things that we see is this, the next verse, it says, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Well, what does it mean to be moderate? Well, we're not talking about politics. We're not talking about anything like that. When God says, let your moderation be made known unto all men, it's your, your ability to not need anything else from men. You don't need this. You don't need that. If you've got God, you've got everything that you need. You see, there's, there comes a point in time where, where the things of this world are, are just trinkets. They're like those little quarter gadgets that you get out of the gumball machine. You, you get a quarter for them for your kid, but you know it's going to break before you get home. Uh, th- that kind of stuff. It's just, that's all that the world offers to people. That's all that it does. And, and, and yet, some people get so hung up on it, they'll lose their life trying to gain it in this world. 
But Jesus said, if you'll lose your life here, you'll preserve it forever in glory. If you'll let go of your natural life, God will give you eternal life. But if you try to find life in the natural, you'll lose it. You'll lose it so quick. You'll, you'll lose the taste for God. You'll lose the hunger for God. You'll lose the longing for God. And you'll begin to go through the motions. And you'll begin to get religious. And then you'll begin to get cold and hard-hearted. And then you'll begin to wonder, when is the pastor going to stop preaching? When is the worship team going to stop singing? Why do we have service again? Oh no, they called for a revival. Oh man, they're preaching again they're singing again when are they going to stop with all this stuff about Jesus well as long as God's in it we're going to be in it and we're going to shout his name till he comes back we're going to sing his praises till he calls us out of this place we're going to glorify the king until we're in his presence. Until faith is made sight, we're going to do what we've been called to do. We're going to glorify him. We're going to honor him. We're going to worship him. And we're going to lead others to him. We're going to hold to that cross. And we're going to reach for the lost. And we're going to call them and beckon them to come and be saved. Come and be made whole. Come and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Come and find what God has for you. This moderation is something that we need to let the world know about. We don't need what they have. I don't need to know what CSI Miami's doing tonight. I don't need to know who won the ball game. I don't need to know what the price of lumber is. I don't need to know what stock market is. I don't need to know those things. Why? Because I know Jesus. I'm filled with Him. Uh, you know what? Those things come and those things go, but they will not grab hold and take root in my soul. I will refuse to be moved by the things of this world, and that is moderation. The moderation means I don't need, I don't need those things. Oh, did you hear we can't buy orange juice anymore? Big deal. Did you hear that we can't do this anymore? Big deal. We've still got God, don't we? Well, what if they throw us in a prison camp? We've still got God in the prison camp. What if they kill us? We'll go home to glory. It's just a shortcut. Well, what if they do this? What if they do Well, they can't do anything that God don't let them do, number one. But secondly, God's with us even if they throw us in a fiery furnace, even if they put us in a den of lions, even if they exile us, imprison us, impale us, or cut off our heads, God will never leave us. He will never forsake us. No, not ever and so the moderation that God is calling us to is to be filled with God I want you to see that you can't be filled with God and filled with the world sometimes people say oh I want to I want the Holy Ghost well the Holy Ghost wants you you don't have to beg the Holy Ghost to want you he wants you it is the glory of God to fill you but he's not going to fill a house that's already full. Once we come to God and we've been cleaned out, God will come down on us. But you see, God's not going to live in a divided house. He's not going to live in, in a temple where he has to contend with you for who you're going to worship. But when you let go of everything and you let go of, 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 of all the things of the world and, and, and they're gone, they're over with, God will come down on you. 
God will fill you with the Spirit of God. Yeah, God wants to fill you. It, it, God loves to give the Holy Spirit to His children. God loves to give the Holy Spirit to those that ask. Amen? And you say, oh, I'm going to ask. Well, be careful. Be careful because he's not talking about just asking like a kid asks for candy. When God said, ask me of the nations to Jesus, it cost Jesus everything to purchase the nations. Yeah, he said, ask of me the nations and I'll give them to you. And, and Jesus got them, but he had to go to the cross to get them. Amen? Well, if Jesus had to go to the cross to get the nations, you're going to have to go to the cross to get the Holy Spirit. You're going to have to go to the cross. You're going to have to let go of this life, and, and you're going to have to find that you don't need anything that it has. You're going to have to let your moderation be made known unto all men. And what you do, you are set up to receive the Holy Spirit in that moment. You see, and in, 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 in this is what I want you to see. If you will, turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter number 13. Well, we got something going on right here. It's just one verse that I want to take you to, down to verse number 44. I tell you, whenever you talk about moderation, it's, it, the, the moderation in, in, in the world's eyes looks silly, but in God's eyes, it's beautiful. You know, James teaches us that, that the world is at enmity with God. And John teaches us in the book of 1 John chapter 2 that you, if you love the world, you don't have the love of God. You can't love the world and God at the same time. And that's why I was saying, if you know, you want to be filled with God, you, you, you can't be divided. You, you have to choose the one whom you're going to love. And it is, God's, it is to God's glory and his pleasure to pour out his spirit upon you. Look at this, number four, verse 44, he, uh, Matthew, Matthew 13, verse 44. It's a parable that Jesus talks about. He said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. You see, the, the treasure is worth letting everything else go. And, and one of the things that, that we see in the church world is that so many people have a treasure and, and their treasure is kind of split up. It's, it's half in the world and half in the church. How can that be? How is that possible? Because they, their true treasure is the things of the world, but they just heard that if they come to church, they'll get some of that treasure from God. They'll get some of that worldly treasure from the genie in the bottle. That's what a lot of people look at God as. It's just, if I do this, and I do that, then I'm going to get what I truly want. They love the blessing more than the blesser. They love the gift more than the giver. They search for the healing more than the healer. They want, the, they want deliverance more than they want the deliverer. They want all that God can give them, but they don't want him. And you see, that happened to Israel. That happened to Israel. Moses invited them to come to Mount Sinai. Come on up to this mountain. You can go right on up there and meet God yourself. And they came close to that mountain and they realized they were going to have to walk very carefully because God was way more holy than they thought. And the closer they got, the ground began to shake and the thunder began to crack and the lightning came down and the clouds came down and they said, we've come close enough, Moses. We're going to 
go back to the camp. You go and live a holy life for us. You go and be intimate with God for us. You go and do the, the, the seeking and the praying. You go and be his servant. And we're going to go back to camp and do what we really want to do. Because we're not willing to pay the cost. But you see, Moses, Moses, when he saw that burning bush, when he saw that burning bush and God called him to his side, he found a treasure. The, the, the bush wasn't the treasure, God was. He was going to follow God everywhere God called him to go because he had found the treasure that his heart longed for in Jesus. The Bible writes of Moses in Hebrews chapter number 11 that he esteemed the riches of Christ more, more than the glory of Egypt. He esteemed the riches of Christ. How does Christ make you rich? Well, Moses didn't get rich. The riches that he's talking about is Christ himself, the goodness of God in his life. The blessing of God upon him, his presence, his presence in his life. That was the treasure that Moses sought after. And you see, as you look at this parable, this guy walks by this field and and everybody else is walking by the same field. And that's why you'll see 99 different people walk by a church, walk by a preacher, walk by a message or a Bible or a tract or a sign that says Jesus saves. But you'll see that one person pass by and they'll see a field and they'll see the treasure and they'll go and they'll sell all that they have. They'll let go of all their worldly goods so that they can receive what God has for them in that field. Well, one of the things that happens here is joy is produced. You see, joy is produced because that intimacy was birthed. They found joy in the beauty of the field. They found joy in the beauty of the field. See, a lot of times we look for, we, we look for joy in, in, in the way that we, we look um, the way that others look at us. We find joy in the way people appreciate us or the way they treat us or the things that we receive in this life. We get joy when we get a check in the mail or we get joy when we get the promotion at work or we get this or we get that. But you see, this guy here, he found joy somewhere, but it wasn't in the things of this world. He saw something past the natural and he saw into the spirit. He saw into the supernatural and he was willing. Listen, it says that he let go of everything. I want you to see that. It says that he sold all that he had. He sold all that he had. Do you know that you won't receive all that God has for you until you sell all that you have? You you, you can't hold back on God. You know, to, to the people in the book of Acts, They held back on God and they died for it. They said that they sold their house for such and such price and they withheld some of it and they dropped dead right there at the feet of Peter because they lied to the Holy Ghost, which is a powerful principle where you'll see the Holy Ghost is a person, not an it. They lied to to him and they dropped dead for it. Well, what is the reality that we want to see here is that if you'll sell all that you have, you'll receive all that he has. You'll receive every bit of what he has for you, but it costs you everything. This is one of the things that we have to come into grips with. For us to receive all that God has for us, we got to let go of everything for him. And once you do, you'll find everything at his feet. You'll find, you'll find it at his feet. But see, this is one of those things where you have to, by faith, see at the cross the treasure that God has for you. You have to see, by faith, 
By faith, you have to see that in your surrender, there is treasure worth seeking. Nobody can force you to sell all that you have for Jesus. And I'm not talking about you going and selling your car and your house. I'm not, I'm not, talk, I'm not trying to raise money. We don't take offerings at our church. We're not doing all that. But I, it's, it's a spiritual, there's a spiritual connotation of this, spiritual context. You selling all that you have means letting go of all the ties to the world. Letting go of all the things of the world and grabbing hold of Jesus spiritually. By faith receiving this verse right here that if you'll let go of all the things of this life and grab hold of him, you'll find the treasure that your heart truly seeks. Well, does your heart truly seek that treasure? Does your heart truly seek that treasure? You see, this, this one of the things that I want you to see is that there's a, a joy that comes from this field. A joy that comes from this field. You know, Paul told us to rejoice always. Always, right? And again, I say rejoice. Well, how can you find joy if you're not surrendered? You won't. You'll only find joy when you found this field. You'll never find joy any other way than when you come to this field that costs you everything. When you come to this field that costs you everything, that's where joy is birthed. That's where joy is birthed. And that's where joy remains. You see, as you go through your Christian walk, as you go through Christianity and you grow older and wiser and more noble in the Lord, you still got to sell everything. You've still got to make sure that you're not holding on to the things of this world. And from time to time, the enemy's subtle and sly ways will get in there and, and, and cause us to begin to, 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 to yearn for the things of this life again. And, and, and then we remember, remember when you got saved? You let go of everything. I mean, you, you didn't care if you died that night. As long as you got God, you, you was ready to let go of all of it. Amen. And that's the same way joy is birthed. That's the same way joy is birthed. Well, the joy of, of the field produces moderation that nothing else can. You see, if you, if you truly find that field, if you truly find that field, it will produce the moderation that Paul was talking about. Amen? It will. Turn with me, if you will, over to Jude. Let's go back over a little bit deeper in the New Testament, the book of Jude. We're going to go down to verse number 24. Jude, verse number 24. If you truly find a treasure, you know it's worth letting everything else go. One of the things that I love about that passage, that parable in Matthew 13, is that nobody had to tell this guy to sell everything. Amen? I mean, there was no pastor cracking a whip on this guy saying, sell everything, buy that field, it's the best thing for you. Nobody was doing that. It was a compulsion from the spirit. It was a compulsion from the soul. This person saw Christ. He saw something worth selling everything for. And you know, that can't be manufactured. That can't be manufactured. Religion manufactures those things, but it will never produce the results. But when you see that that field has all that you want, when you see the treasure at the cross, you'll sell all of this world for him. Nobody, nobody will have to tell you, now, sister, 
when was the last time you read your Bible? Now, sister, when was the last time you prayed? Come on, brother, we hadn't seen you in a couple months at church. You know, nobody's going to have to do that because you've got the treasure. You've got the treasure. They don't have to compel you to come back to the treasure. They don't have to remind you. Don't you remember how beautiful that field was? I mean, you sold all that you had for that field and you're walking away from it. I mean, you, 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 you sold all that you had so that you could get that field. It, it was the treasure of your soul. And, and I haven't seen you at that field in years. I haven't seen you. I haven't seen you, you know, coming into that field and partaking of the presence of that field. I haven't seen you, you know, enjoying that field at all. Where are you? Why haven't you been here anymore? It's overgrown. The, the, the Nobody's cut the grass. The garden hadn't been tended to. Everything is, is, is just grown over. Why haven't you been to this place that you say is the treasure of your soul? Amen. Well, when it's truly the treasure, you don't have to compel people. You don't have to, you don't, you don't have to push them. You don't have to religion them. Amen? You don't have to religion them. Jesus didn't religion anybody. He spoke. They came. Oh, I love the story of the, the, the woman that had the issue of blood. I love that story. I mean, Jesus was on his way to another miracle. And as he's on his way to another miracle, this woman with that issue of blood, she just looked at Jesus and she just knew in her heart, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. I mean, there was nothing, there was no religion about that. There was nobody compelling her, nobody pushing her, nobody, you need to do it. Nobody did any of that. She saw the treasure that her heart sought. She saw it, and she risked everything to get it. She was willing to die. She was willing to be cast into prison. She was willing to be stoned to death. She was willing to take whatever the cost was. She was letting go of all that this world had because she saw her treasure in the hem of the garment of God in the flesh. And she went, and she touched, and Jesus said, virtue has left me because she done come by faith to the treasure that she sought when was the last time you came to Jesus that way when was the last time you looked at him with the longing in your eyes that he was the treasure of your soul and nobody can compel you to that it is something that God does in our spirit like I said nobody forced that woman nobody told her well you know the religion teaches that if you've got an issue of blood you need to touch that hem of his nobody told her that God did God put it on her heart she went by faith and I'm telling you that if you'll go by faith to that cross and sit at the feet of Jesus and see the beauty of that field and realize that's the treasure of your soul, you'll find that joy will begin to billow out of your communion with God, out of your intimacy with God. God will come down upon you and camp around you and fill you and sustain you and give you that joy that Paul was talking about. Then you'll know nobody will have to clap for you come on let's joy let's get joyful come on clap everybody it's time to clap your hands stomp your feet turn around nobody had to tell you that because you'll have the joy in your soul amen glory to god nobody should have to tell you to clap your hands for jesus nobody should have to tell you come on guys let's lift up holy hands amen 
Nobody should have to tell us that. Well, over here in Jude, we're going to come down into this verse 24 and 25. It's just one chapter. Don't worry. Now here at the end, there's a, there's, there, at the end, Jude is wrapping it up. And in verse 24, he says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. How many of y'all, that sounds good. He's able. Are you willing? He's able to keep you from falling. He's able to keep you on the right path and to give you joy all the way. He's able. He's able to keep you from falling. Hey, look, I don't know what you're going through, but I know God's able to keep you from falling. You don't understand what I go home to. I don't, but I know who's able to keep you from falling. His name is Jesus. He's wonderful. And now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. I want you to see something. This is just a, a thing I want you to see. God, he's talking about God. He's talking about Jesus being able to present you and, and, and to present you faultless. God's able to keep you from falling and present you faultless. Now, that takes a miracle. We're not good enough to stop falling, and we're not good enough to remain faultless. It takes the work of the Holy Ghost in us to keep us and sustain us, to cleanse us and sanctify us and keep us in a consecrated place. It is the work of God, but I want you to see something. There's going to be a day that you answer God, that you stand before God. There's going to be a day where faith is made sight. And on that day, He will present you. Oh, there's going to be a day when our breath leaves our body, that spirit just leaves. We're going to breathe out and not breathe in again. That day's coming for all of us. We're going we're gonna to breathe out and nothing's going to come back in our body. Our body's going to go down like a locust shell. And our spirit's going to fly out. And on that beautiful day, he's going to present us. And I want you to say it's, it's with exceeding joy. Can I share something with you? When, when you stand before God on that day, the angels aren't going to have to tell you, it's time to lift up holy hands. The angels aren't going to have to tell you, okay, you can cry now. The angels aren't going to tell you, it's proper to clap right here. The, the angels aren't going to tell you, this is how you sing the song, worthy is the Lamb. The angels aren't going to tell you, you're going to see Him, and with exceeding joy, you're going to lavish your heart on the One who sought you, who has nail prints in His palms, the One who bought you on Calvary. It will birth forth from you joy out of your soul beckoning praise and honor and glory to the Lamb of God and nobody's going to have to say pump it up, get louder, do it with some excitement come on, put a pep in your worship nobody will have to do that because it'll be, it'll be coming forth like a river gushing out of your soul amen, out of your soul but I want you to see 
that that same joy is the same joy that that man saw when he saw the treasure in the field. It's the same word. It's not a different word. It's not a different kind of joy. The same joy that you see at the cross is the same joy you'll experience when you see the Lamb at the throne. The same joy is birthed in our lives today that will be gathered around that throne. Yes, it will be more exuberant. Yes, faith will be made sight. You know, here we'll begin to worship and then we'll wonder why it's cold or why it's hot. And then we'll have to say, Lord, I rebuke those thoughts. I just need to get back in this worship. But when we're gathered around the throne, there's not going to be any of that kind of stuff. It'll just be glory all the time. What I want you to see is that joy, that exceeding joy is the same joy that God invites you to today. The same joy. I want you to think about it. Truly think about it. Will you be joyous on the day you see Jesus? Will you? Will you have exceeding joy when you see that one with the hole in his hands? And he'll tell you, I did that for you. Will you have joy when you see is the, the, where the crown of thorns was on his head and you'll see the, the, the white hair that we talked about and the feet like brass and, and the eyes aflame and you'll see that one who sought you and incarnated for you and bought you on that cross. Loved you with an unquenchable love. When you see him, will you have joy? Will you have joy? That is a fact. If you're His, you will on that day. And and, and what you have to see is that same joy God invites you to today. He invites you to see by faith what you'll see on that day with sight. Do you see the treasure worth selling all for? Is He the treasure of your soul? Is He? I want, I want to invite you to come back to that place where He is your joy. I want to invite you to come back to that place where He is the treasure you seek. I want to, because it's not about anybody here. It's not about me, you, none of that. This is about getting us right before we leave this earth. This is about, hey, this is about me and Jesus. That's what you need to look at. This is about you and Jesus. And, and this is about him producing the joy in you today. The same joy is the same word. It'll, yeah, you'll have more of it. It'll be glorious. But it's the same joy today. This guy in Matthew 13, he stumbled upon it. He was, he was you know, sometimes people say, oh, they invited me to that church. Or they, you know, I heard it on this. Or I went by that. This guy was just walking by that field. And he went, what in the world? That is beautiful. That is amazing. And he went and he hurried up and he sold everything he had for that. Will you sell everything you have for him? Will you? Is he he that much of a treasure to you? I invite you to look again and see his beauty. That guy saw the beauty of a field. Do you see the beauty of a savior? Savior. 